Thank you for joining us for this week's message from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. Each week we share thought-provoking and life-changing teachings on topics that are important and relevant to you in your life. We hope that you will be encouraged by our weekly podcast and will tune in regularly. Now let's join the First Christian Church of Great Bend for this week's message. So today we are in the third and final week of our sermon series on science and religion. And what I've been trying to do for the last two weeks is to show you that as faithful Christians, or as people who believe in the truth that Scripture proclaims, that contrary to popular belief, science doesn't have to be our enemy. It's not something that we have to see as evil, so we must fight against it. But instead, what I tried to show you is that it's actually a gift or a simple yet powerful method that gives us the ability to not only make our lives better, but that also helps us to understand just how big, complex, magnificent, and beautiful our God really is. And some of the ways that I've tried to show you this in the last couple of weeks is by pointing out that there is no science without the biblical assumption that the world is ordered. And that the history of science is not just a bunch of atheistic people sitting around trying to disprove what we believe, but instead is a history of faithful Christians based on what the Bible itself proclaims, devoting their lives to learning more about God through all that he has created. And then last week we talked about how all truth is God's truth. It doesn't matter where you find it or who said it. If it's true, God is the one who made it true. Which then finally led to this expansive way, or at least more expansive way of thinking about truth that that Christians have actually been using for a thousand years, with special revelation being about the truth that we discover in and through the Bible, because of course, the Bible is foundational to us. But then there's also general revelation where we can discover even more about God through all that he has created. Because God's truth is much, much bigger than a lot of the boxes that we try to put it in. But now that we have spent the last two weeks kind of setting that foundation, what I would like to try to do today to close this series out is to give you just a taste of not only what science has to teach us about just how big and amazing our God is, but but my hope is to help you experience firsthand the wonder and awe that science can stir in your heart or how studying science can actually open you up to experiencing God whenever you get a chance to do it. Or or what I want for you guys, what I long for most, is I want you to experience what I experience when I'm reading, when I'm listening, when I hear something amazing. I want you to know that it's not just about that. I want you to know that whatever that science is, is it points beyond itself to the one who created all of this. So I'm either going to help you do that today or I'm going to bore you to tears. You guys decide. Um, But I think you'll find it's amazing. So, we begin with atoms, or the basic building blocks upon which everything in the universe is founded, because from the smallest things that we know, to human beings, to planets and stars, and everything in between, it's all made up of these things called... And when I mention the word atom, what comes to most people's mind is a picture like this. Because what most of us were taught in school is that an atom is basically like a solar system. You have protons and neutrons at the center, while orbiting around that are the electrons. 
And then based on that model, what most people assume is that the atomic and subatomic worlds work in the same way as everything else does, right? The, the kind of the same principles, same properties, and all that kind of stuff. Or if you were to take something and to continue to cut it in half over and over again, think of a carrot here, right? You cut it in half, you cut it in half, you cut it in half, until you can't cut it any longer, that thing that you couldn't cut in half any longer would be the very thing upon which everything else in the universe is built. Or in other words, what we expect atoms to be like are things of substance, like balls or particles or, or kind of like what you see on the screen. But what scientists have been discovering for the last 150 years or so as they continue to delve into this strange new world is that atoms are much stranger than anyone ever imagined. Now, before we go even further, before we jump into this, I need to say this to prepare you for what comes next. Because there's no doubt some of this stuff is so strange and beyond anything you might have ever heard that you might just think that I'm making this stuff up. But what you need to keep in mind as you're having those thoughts or as you have that urge to get up because your pastor has lost it is that this scientific theory that we're jumping into, quantum mechanics, is actually one of the most successful and testable theories that has ever been developed. In fact, all those gadgets that you guys love or hate, you know, your phones, your TVs, all that kind of stuff, yeah, most of those don't exist without this theory, without the science that goes behind this. Also, if at any point in, during this series you guys feel lost or are having a hard time making sense of it, you need to know that that's doing it right. That's the way you're supposed to feel when you encounter some of this stuff, because this is how strange the quantum world is. Or as Niels Bohr put it, and Niels Bohr is, is one of the scientists who developed quantum mechanics. He says this, if quantum mechanics hasn't profoundly shocked you, you haven't understood it yet. How awesome is that, right? He's studying this for a living. He's like, hey, if this doesn't shock you, then you don't get it. Okay. Now, the sizes that we're talking about when it comes to the atomic and subatomic are almost too small for us to comprehend. But to get a sense, at least, of the size that we're talking about, I want you to think about the size of the earth. Think how big the earth is. And now compare the size of the earth to this tennis ball. Think about that. Well, the earth is to a tennis ball what a tennis ball is to an atom. The earth is to a tennis ball what a tennis ball is to an atom. Now, when it comes to the size of the nucleus or the collection of protons and neutrons at the center of an atom, what scientists have discovered is that 99.9999999% of an atom is empty space. Or to get a sense of just how small the nucleus is in comparison to the rest of an atom, I want you to imagine K-State's football stadium or any large football stadium for that matter. Well, if you locate the nucleus at the center of the football field, where you would find the electron is not there circling around the cat, not on the outskirts of that field. No, where you would find the electrons circling is at the outskirts of the stadium. And the size of the nucleus at the center of that atom would not be this big blob that, that covers a quarter of the field. It wouldn't be the size of the cat sitting there. No, instead it would be the size of this.
what scientists are telling us about what the atom is really like is that if the nucleus was the size of a marble, then the place that you would find the electrons orbiting the atom is as far as midfield is from the outskirts of Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Oh, and by the way, we haven't even gotten to the weird stuff yet. That's normal. That's normal. So, another thing scientists have uncovered is that an electron is not actually a thing in the way that we normally think about things. And that electron is not completely a particle or a ball-like thing that orbits the nucleus, right? That's the way we think about it. But instead is more like a shield in what physicists call a quantum field. Or, or to get a sense of what an electron is like most of the time, picture the Death Star. Any Star Wars nerds in here? Yeah. Now picture the force field around the Death Star. That's what an electron is like most of the time. It's not this particle thing that just whirls around. Except when they try to observe or try to measure the electrons, what happens when they try to do that is that the force field seems to collapse into one point and the electron becomes a particle. Or what scientists have discovered through numerous experiences, which is absolutely mind-blowing, is that subatomic particles act in one way when no one is watching and then act in a completely different way when you try to observe them. It's, it's like these things are conscious. It's like they know what's going on around them. And if that's not strange enough, what scientists have also discovered, it, they discovered this through a double-slit experiment, which, by the way, you can look up. Uh, and this is actually an experiment that has been replicated thousands of times through all sorts of ways, through atomic and subatomic particles. They have discovered that atoms and the things that make up atoms act like waves and particles at the exact same time. Or like a sound wave radiates out into the world, kind of acting like the surface of an ocean. And a baseball, when thrown, kind of looks like a particle sailing through the air. That's how particles seem to work all the time. When they try to measure these things, when they try to do all that kind of stuff, that's what they find happening. Or simply put, if you were to ask a quantum physicist, is a, an atomic particle or an atomic thing, a wave or a particle, their answer would be what? Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. How can something be a particle and a wave at the same time? But that's what they're finding over and over again, over and over again. But the strangest thing that I've come across when studying the quantum world, and I think I've mentioned it in here before, is what physicists call quantum entanglement. Or spooky action at a distance. That's my favorite one. Spooky action at a distance. And so what they do... Oh, by the way, this is so strange that Albert Einstein couldn't accept it. His mathematics proved it, but he couldn't accept it. This is how strange this is. So what they do at spooky action at a distance is they pair up two different particles. And I don't know how they do that, but they can sync them up. You got one with a rotation that is rotating down and one that is rotating up. Right? Now, what happens when you take those particles away from one another is if you change the spin on one, it changes the other. So you can do it at one feet, you change one and it changes the other. You can do it at two feet, change one, change the other. You can do it 10,000 miles. You get the same thing. Isn't that weird? Or, or to give you kind of a crash way to think about this, um, I want you to imagine a floating tennis ball in Los Angeles, California. 
right? And it's got a downward spin. And then I want you to think about a floating tennis ball in New York City, and it's spinning the other way. What happens when you change the spin on this one? The other one changes at the exact same time. In fact, they have taken particles to space and run this experiment. When they do it in space, they change the particle. The other particle changes on Earth and vice versa. And what all of that means, at least in my brain, is that there is some kind of force, there's some kind of connection that we know nothing about that holds all of this together. They have no idea what to do with this kind of stuff, but they find these things happening over and over again. And then what will really get your mind spinning is you're you're trying to wrap your brain around all of this is when you realize that these are not just theories that have nothing to do with us, but these are theories that are actually beginning to reveal what and who we are. This is the stuff that makes us us along with everything else in the universe. Or we are 99.9999999% empty space. And in some strange way, we are waves and particles at the exact same time. And it also seems to be the case that we are connected to this world and others in ways that we are just beginning to understand. Come on. Are you kidding me? The first time I read this stuff, I thought these guys were crazy. But the more I read it, the more it began to sink in. The more I began to see it's it's not just about what they're finding. It's pointing beyond itself to just how incredible and complex and beautiful our God really is. Or how many of you, when I talked about this stuff, had a sense of awe come over you? Maybe got chill bumps. Anybody? How many of you fell asleep during the boringness of all of that? (laughs) Thank you, Kevin, for being honest about that, right? How many of you, when you began to think about that if this is the way the world works and God is the one who created all of this, then, man, we don't have a clue about who our God is. So, So basically what I'm trying to get you guys to see is that not only will you experience God in and through Scripture and prayer and singing and church, and I want you guys to give yourself to that completely, but I also want you to see that you can find God anywhere. God is whom we live, move, and have our being in. God is the one who is responsible for all of this. And if you'll open your eyes, you'll see God everywhere. And science can help us open our eyes to even the deeper things. Or like Sir Isaac Newton. Remember we talked about Sir Isaac Newton in the first week. One of the most brilliant mathematicians, physicists of all time. And remember, he was a mystic. Because the way he connected with God was not just through scripture and prayer, although that was a huge part of his life. It was also through the work that he did. Because in and through that work, it wasn't just about the work itself. It was about what he discovered pointing beyond itself to just how incredible our God really is. Or the scripture that comes to my mind when wrestling with all of this is this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, 
nor are your ways my ways, say the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are your ways higher than my ways and, excuse me, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And you thought you had it all figured out. Come on. Or one of my favorite analogies that kind of gets at the same idea is trying to understand God and his complexity as we've seen today um, is like you and I trying to teach a cockroach how to do algebra. And I think that's being nice to us. So may you see the beauty, wonder, and grace that science can open us up to. And may you give your life not just to Scripture, not just to all of that, but to seeing that God is everywhere. you just got to open your eyes. Let us pray. Father, we come to you this morning, and man, it's my hope that people are beginning to see that science really isn't our enemy. Now, of course, there's people that are out there with crazy ideas and all that stuff that we don't need to buy into that go against what we believe, and we just let that go, Lord. No, help us to see just how big you truly are. Help us to know that in the same way that we read Scripture and pray and worship that you show up, that that we can find it everywhere. Because you are everywhere. And and that science is an instrument that, that opens us up to the awe and wonder of who you are. Or Lord, may our notion of truth be bigger and bigger and bigger as we discover more and more about you. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. You are invited back next week for another life-changing message from the First Christian Church of Great Bend, Kansas. Please check out our website at www.fccgbk.com. That's fccgbk.com. May you have a blessed week.